Tia Vasiliu, or Lou, as I call her, is a fixture in the comics community, having been my better half on the Comixology podcast, Facebook Live, and moderating countless panels at comics conventions. She also appears on the I Read Comic Books podcast, which we touch on in this conversation. More important than all that, she loves ballet. She had me watch Giselle, a 90-minute ballet about love, betrayal, and making men dance until they die. How old were you when you started loving ballet slash gymnastics? <laughs> I was actually really young when I started to love ballet, but I didn't start doing ballet seriously until I was much older, relatively speaking, because a lot of people, they love ballet when they're three and then they start ballet when they're three, mm-hmm. right? That's crazy. Um, yeah, well, you kind of have to in order yeah. to develop your your body the right way. And, you know, my mom would play ballet music. I think I had a Swan Lake record that I wore out. In fact, when I was about four, she took me to see Swan Lake. And when I heard the opening music, I said to her, oh, my God, it's my record. I'm just going to close my eyes and listen. And she was like, no, those are like $80 ballet tickets. (laughs) (laughs) But I never, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't until I was in high school that I started dancing seriously. And by seriously, I mean every day for many hours a day. And that's really when I got more serious about doing it myself. And unfortunately for me, it was kind of too late to uh, change course in terms of how my body was going to be uh, in terms of ability and and all of that, there are certain particularities of anatomy that are really just you literally can't dance at a professional level without your feet and your hips being able to make certain shapes, which mine just won't do. And, Jeez. and yeah, but um, I think that it made me a better teacher hmm. to have it not be an, the, a natural ability. Those who can't do teach. It's yeah, not the famous title. Of that it book. is, but I think that it, people say that. In I never a, liked that title. N- well, people say it in, in a like disparaging way, but some of the worst teachers I ever had were the best dancers because they've never had to think about how they make the, any of it happen. Mm-hmm. But if you've had to really be analytical, then you can help other people who are struggling to figure it out. You right. know, so so yeah, I I I grew up going to the ballet. And listening to ballet music and and dancing. So I watched Giselle, and then YouTube like auto recommended like so. I'm sure my YouTube recommendations are like all <laughs> ballet and gymnastics for the next year. But one of them was a training course at the is it the Royal Ballet? Is that in London? Yeah. So I thought that this is something that you wanted me to watch. I started watching it for oh, like 20 minutes. Nice. <laughs> it was what like a two hour <laughs> like training session of this guy teaching a course. Uh, or I guess it was just practice. I don't know what you call yeah. it. Yeah. Well, so the Royal does this amazing series where they live stream rehearsals, which I okay. love because, you know, the job of the ballet dancer is to make it look completely effortless. Um, and I think that it, in in a lot of ways, it's actually helpful for people to really appreciate what they see in a performance. If they see these dancers just be corrected to within an inch of their Mm -hmm. lives you know yeah the guy that was walking around who was teaching the course was saying these things so fast that i had no idea what he was doing but everyone in the course in the in the classroom knew what to do and they were you know i don't even know what they were called but it was crazy because i 20 minutes into it i was like is this something she wanted me to watch and then i checked and it wasn't i was like i'm shutting this off but there was the dudes in the class um 
some of them were wearing like Uggs boots, yeah. but they weren't Uggs. Like, what were those? Are those like training booties? So, um, it's very important for the feet to be really supple, and especially for men. <laughs> supple feet just makes me laugh. Just well, that phrase, <laughs> you know, because uh, men do a lot of jumping, mm. and it's very hard on their feet and ankles. And so, those these booties in some of these booties have uh, a material in them that you can put in the microwave and warm them up, and then you just wear like toasty booties to mm. keep your feet warm. But more or less, they're just like. They're like a puffer coat, but for your feet. I see. Yeah, and they wear them to keep their feet warm. Yeah, the male lead in Giselle, is it Albrecht? Albrecht? Albrecht, yes. He did like a solo that was just the jump. And I'm not sure what that move was called, but he did it for like three minutes. And then <laughs> yes. afterward, the crowd was like going crazy that he was doing it. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, I actually was going to ask you to try some of those <laughs> so you can see what, it, what it's because, you know, it's like his his face and his upper body are just completely calm. Mm -hmm. And then he does, I'm pretty sure it's an entrechassis, which is a jump where you jump in the air and your legs are together and then you beat your feet back front three times. They're like fluttering. It's like fluttering, yeah. It's really hard. It looked, I mean, everything that everyone did in this show <laughs> looked incredibly difficult. And like, as I was watching it, uh, I just was struck by like how in shape and how physically fit everyone in the show was. I mean, even the men, they, there was like every muscle in their body is being used yeah. during the show. I just like couldn't get my, my, myself past it. There's a, the dancer in the version that you saw on YouTube, Roberto Bollet, uh, he has a famous quote where someone asked him how he stays in shape. And he said, Oh, I don't lift weights. I just lift beautiful women. <laughs> Is Which is half of a, of a male ballet dancer's <laughs> job. Half of his job is to lift beautiful women, and the other half of his job is to jump. He did it amazingly well. Yeah. <laughs> why is uh, why is Giselle your pick? What brings you back to this one? So it surprises a lot of people to learn that I actually don't care for classical ballets, and I don't like story ballets. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, Swan Lake, Sleeping Beauty, all of these, Nutcracker. Mm. They're tedious. They're too long. There's a lot of ridiculous pantomime that's just totally unnecessary. I feel like uh, these are not... I, I just I don't think it's a compelling form of storytelling because it's often very superficial storytelling. Whereas um, neoclassical ballet that is from like the 20th century and, and afterwards, it's a little bit more abstract. And often it's trying to evoke a mood or a tone uh, or emphasize something about the relationship between the human body and the movement or the music, things like that. Uh, and I think that those are much more effective stories that you can tell it with dance. And so Giselle for me is an exception because even though there is a lot of really tedious pantomime in the first act, which mm. I, if in a perfect world, the first act would be cut down to a 20 minute prelude. So you understand who everybody is and have the mad scene so that you understand what happened. And then it would just be the second act, which in a lot of ways, I think because of how ethereal the corps de ballet is with the long white tool tutus, a lot of that movement is very evocative of like a sort of creepy mood and it's more abstract and there's more dancing. Mm -hmm. So the plot of Giselle uh, boiled down to in layman's terms is like royal dude comes to town and hides his garb to make it 
to make people think he's just kind of like a farm boy and falls in love with this farm girl. And they, you know, they're, they fall in love, even though this guy is like a, he's, he's like a prince. I'm not sure if he's a prince, but, yeah. and he's betrothed to someone else. So his future wife actually comes to this town and he hides because he doesn't want to be found <laughs> out. Because of course he does. <laughs> and there's another guy in this town who doesn't really trust this Albrecht, this this prince in hiding. And he tries to tell the uh, Giselle that like he isn't who he is. And eventually it all, all hell breaks loose. Uh, Albrecht's future wife, his fiance, is in this group and it, his secret comes out. And Giselle goes mad and dies. And then the second half is these uh this group of women called is it the wills the willis the willies yeah the willies who were betrayed by their future husbands and their only job as spirits now is to find men who have betrayed their spouses and make them dance until they die yes it's pretty dark and there's the queen of the willies martha she's kind of the ringleader but they have a weakness which is that they can only come out in the dark Mm -hmm. so if you can make it to the sunrise then you're safe. Thank God. There's a few um, nuances to the first part of the story that are part of what I think makes Giselle for me a really good story. Um, in some interpretations, Albrecht is not actually in love with Giselle. He's just toying with her. Really? Which, um, and so there's a, a cruelty that, or like a, a callousness that, that those Albrechts kind of put into their dancing. Mm. And what I really like about this interpretation is just as you say that Albrecht, he doesn't, he, you know, he really did love her and he really is, you know, brokenhearted about, about what happens. I think that that gives Giselle as a woman more agency, which is, you know, look, this is a story that they reuse for a lot of ballets. You see it in Swan Lake. In fact, there's a ballet called the Bayadere where the story is there's a prince and he's in love with this temple dancer, peasant girl. It's set in India and he's engaged to a princess. And so the princess gets jealous and she sends a bouquet of flowers to the dancer with a snake in it and the snake bites her and she dies. (laughs) And then the prince smokes a lot of opium and he goes to the kingdom (laughs) of the shades and they hang out and dance. It's like, this is the same thing. Yeah. But, but if the premise here is that Albrecht really did love Giselle, then, uh, so one thing that you left out at the end or in the second act where he they find him and he's they're making him dance till he dies, Giselle comes to his rescue. Right. She forgives him. She forgives him and she dances with him and sort of pr- extends protection over him until the sun comes up. And I think that in order for us to believe that she would forgive him and in order to kind of give her a, a little bit of humanity like three-dimensionality it's better to have the albrecht uh, interpretation be the one where he really did love her because otherwise why would she that's what i was going to ask in the versions where he's kind of a seedy individual does she still forgive him at the end yeah and that makes it even i mean it it plays to a lot of uh ideas about ideal femininity right Mm. you know and the other thing is that uh hilarion who is her friend who reveals albrecht's true Mm -hmm. identity to her is often played as like the friend zoned guy 
He he totally did. <laughs> I mean, in this version, he 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 bites it. Right. Oh, in all the versions, he bites oh, it. Oh my gosh! Like you'll notice. Giselle does not lift a finger to go rescue Hilarion. No. And there's some some moments in the first act when he's trying to get her to come out and hang out with him. And she's like, no, thank you. And he won't take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. And so there's not altruism in his uh, revealing Albrecht's true identity. It's totally self-serving. And, you know, he like is he's totally the friend zoned guy. And Poor guy. yeah, and Giselle has no interest in rescuing him. And also, if the if the premise of the Willies is that they find men who have betrayed women, mm. why'd they go after Hilarion? I mean, he, I guess in a, in a manner of speaking, he betrayed her like love in Albrecht. I guess he like purposely tried to destroy that. So I guess you could say that that's a betrayal of their friendship. And it's kind of implied that he doesn't take no as an answer from mm -hmm. her. So I think there's a, there's in, this story has a lot of nuances that I find very interesting like that. Uh, the other thing that I love about what the, the first act and, and how it sets up the story is that um, Batilda, the fiance She's very kind to Giselle. Hmm. They are almost the kind of part of what allows Hilarion to make his move is that they're hanging out. She gives Giselle a necklace. They're dancing together. You know what I right. mean? Like, and so I really like that as opposed to the ballet I mentioned before, La Bayadere, where they like fight and it's like catty. You know, it, they're, they're, Batilda is not the villain. Plus, she uh, she didn't have like a huge opportunity to be a villain. Like when the ruse was up, she kind of kind of was like didn't like go into the shadows and allowed the other characters to play a, a vital role. She almost didn't have an opportunity to be catty or villainous. I mean, I'm sure that she felt terrible that this mm. sweet girl that moments ago she was just being friendly. I mean, because they, they're they're sort of bonding. Oh, I have a fiance. Oh, I have a fiance too. Oh, you right. know. And then the next thing you know, it's the same guy and this poor girl is having a nervous breakdown. When she does kind of like go mad in uh, the show, I actually, I must not have been paying as much attention because I, I started to watch the bonus feature that you told me to watch of mm -hmm. kind of like another version of the play where someone was interviewing the leads and the female playing Giselle kind of did that scene for the cameras where she goes mad. I thought that was like stunning, like her descent into madness and then her redoing, which I probably missed in the original viewing, but where she holds that like flower, that rose yeah. when she wasn't, she was replicating everything. That was crazy. Yeah. She does the same dance steps that they had previously been doing together very joyously, but it's kind of detached and, and creepy mm -hmm. in some versions she very obviously kills herself mm. with his sword. And I think in this version, it leaves it a little bit ambiguous. You can't really tell if she was able to stab herself before they took it away from her. Because they also make clear that she has a, a heart condition. There's a moment in the dancing when everyone's happy, when she has to sit down and rest and her mother is constantly trying to get her to stop dancing and it's because she has this heart condition. So 
did she kill herself? Did she go ma- like was she there are there are a lot of of explanations for her dying at that moment besides like oh she's just a frail woman. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because she's clearly not I think that it that we you know it takes a certain kind of strength to forgive someone right. in that way, which she obviously does at the end. So it, it's hard to write Giselle off as flighty or mm-hmm. crazy or weak. One of the main things I think the only show I've seen is the Nutcracker. And when I was watching this, I made a point to like, obviously realize how ripped all the men are. in the show, <laughs> And not even that, but just kind of the, clothing that historically the men have worn in ballet where it's like this embrace of the human body in a way that I don't really see like elsewhere in other entertainment or mediums. Mm -hmm. And is that just a historic thing where men wore kind of like the tight fitting outfits and, and they wear kind of like regular shirts. Um, Was that, is that just historically in ballet? That's just been the way it has been for decades and it just kept up and up and up in that way well ballet originated in the french royal courts um and louis the 14th was very vain about his legs so in a way it, yes they've always worn tights they have big calves <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you have big calves you may need help keeping them warm consider half double design not your granny's crochet if you're looking for a new scarf winter hat blanket tie beanies or just about anything else that can be crocheted together in the highest of quality, look no further than Half Double Design. Amanda's waiting to hear from you, and you won't regret it. Check out halfdoubledesign.com for more. And so many of the characters in classical ballet are royal, especially the men. Mm. So, yeah, they will almost always wear a sort of, like, tunic that has... the. I don't know the trappings of of like royal costume and and then tights. Also, it would be really hard to dance in something besides tights, right? You know, what's that cup that the men wear? Is that just like is there a trick to it? It's a dance belt. Dance belt, which cosplayers should also invest in if you're doing. <laughs> you like mean a... overweight Spider Man with it all hanging out <laughs> isn't something you're interested in? It's not so much meant to it, it. So first of all, like you wouldn't want to be doing all that jumping around with dangling things, things. so dangling just su- bits. it supports right it's like a sports bra for for the for junk men. yeah <laughs> you should market that but um and it also just smooths so that it's kind of ken it looks, dolly down yeah there. it looks the same for every everyone yeah, so yeah. it's like not as distracting maybe as it would be otherwise mm-hmm. yeah i was just curious the mechanics of it all and it's usually uh you know not it's not like a, a an athletic cup that's like mm. that's like plastic. It's usually like the like exactly how a bra would be in terms of like the material. Maybe um, a little bit thicker just to just to smooth things out. Yeah, because I couldn't see any lines like on a jock right jock strap. Right, you'd see some kind of like line situation happening. Well, I mean, lines are really important in dance, and everything is it like, always comes back to is it disrupting the line. You know, so even though it's a celebration of the human body and all of that, I think that that particular part of it would be a little distracting. Right. Uh, But in more contemporary ballets, sometimes they'll wear like short shorts Hmm. or, you know, some some high socks. They'll go topless like the men. Oh, yeah. Oh, my word. 
I know. (laughs) (laughs) And while I was watching this too, the Hilarion character was still like an Adonis, but he had like a a hairline that was much different than Albrecht. And I was curious what makes a leading man in ballet? Like what what goes into the decision-making? How would you like, and, and also like, how do you push yourself to become a leading man? Are there some dudes that just were like, okay with being background characters or what's that desire? Like it's hard because not only do you have to have the dance technique to do the, like the jumping up and down, which is exhausting and the multiple pirouettes and all of that. But you, you also have to be a really good partner with, to, to lift the ballerina and to do all of that. And so that means you have to be taller than the ballerina when she's mm. on point. So you have to be taller plus plus six inches, right? And you, you know, yeah, I think that there is a certain sort of regal princely bearing that you kind of have to bring to the table. And if you if you don't have those things, you you probably will have a, a better career as like more of a character like there i'm thinking it also like in romeo and juliet there's mercutio where there's there's ballets where there's kind of like a jester character you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's like you can still have a career if you're not you know mr prince but definitely if you name the top uh, male dancers like it's not just enough to be an amazing dancer you also have to be an amazing partner yeah i was looking at a few of the characters in the show and i was just like thinking to myself like you're not leading man material (laughs) as mean as that is i just in my head i was like he's probably not going to be leading this in a few years i mean dancers have in their contracts what their appearance has to be for the season Hmm. and their hair how often they have to you know shave what their weight like all of this It, it it's what is the season um, it depends on the company. Usually it's like Nutcracker through the spring and then they have summer layoff and then they reconvene in the fall. I think it's th- usually 36 weeks is like a standard ballet contract. How much of those, like if you're at the Royal Ballet for a season, what is that? What's that even pay? Do you even know? You know, I think that they do pay like a fairly decent arts wage because there are unions, mm. you know, and, uh, you know, you're not you're not getting rich off of being a ballet right. dancer, obviously. But also, a lot of dancers are able to like guest. Uh, uh, for example, Svetlana Zakharova, who is the ballerina in that production of Giselle, is from uh, Russia. She's not she's not Italian, which mm-hmm. it was La Scala Ballet, the Italian, the premier Italian company. So you can guest places. You could guest teach. You know, you could go teach at a summer intensive. You know, there, there are ways that dancers supplement their income. How does that kind of the contractual stuff about like weight and stuff and hair, I feel like that'd be like the most stressful environment in history. Yeah. Especially um, if you get injured or something. Right. What happens then? You know, often the company will, you know, they've invested in you and they, you're an artist in, in their, in their company. So they want you healthy and you know, they, work with you to get you rehabbed but um like if you've read misty copeland's book she talks a little bit about how in her first year at abt she got injured and she gained a lot of weight and then it was a struggle afterwards and you know it was kind of difficult to get back to a place where everyone felt comfortable and they're really hard conversations to have with dancers because obviously uh 
you don't want people doing anything dangerous or unhealthy with their bodies. Um, but you know, sometimes bodies change Mm -hmm. and they don't go back. Yeah. You know, is there like a, is there like a seedy underbelly of that industry where people do whatever it takes to get back into game shape? Absolutely. You know, eating disorders, I think are always in the background of aesthetic sports and, and arts. But at the end of the day, you know, you can't perform at the level required if you're malnourished, like you just can't, you know, you can go and look at, um, videos of a dancer named Gelsie Kirkland, who was one of the greatest ballerinas in, in the seventies and eighties. And she was on so many drugs and never ate anything and was just so messed up. And she was, you know, there were times when she actually couldn't finish the choreography and she would just kind of get through it and you could really tell. And I think that also the, um, the demands of a dancer in terms of, of just what they can do physically, you know, the, the, it's always changing and, and people are always pushing the limits. And I think that for the most part, dancers and directors have embraced a more athletic body type because they realize that it lets you do more as a dancer, Mm -hmm. you know, but yeah, it's always, it's always something that everyone is aware of. Right. Are ballets niche, like comic books are niche? Like do people like easily hop into becoming like a ballet fan? What's the, what's that industry as a medium like for like bringing new people in? Do they not worry about it? No, they worry about it constantly. It's so hard. And a lot of companies try to do outreach to younger audiences, you know, um, and, and not just in like, oh, hey, like you are a 12 year old girl taking ballet, come to the Nutcracker, but they actually try to, to make it like cool and sexy. There's like, you know, New York City Ballet has their like young patrons donor ring mm. where, you know, and they have like cocktail parties and things. And <laughs> I mean, Shirley they Temples. try to make it sexy. You know? right. <laughs> uh, I, but yeah, I think that, that it is by and large, pretty niche, like comic books. And, you know, I also think that like comic books, um, literacy in ballet is a, a skill that you kind of have to develop. It's a, it's a, a storytelling technique that's entirely visual and nonverbal. Yeah, like you mean as a as a viewer understanding what's happening? Yeah, yeah. Right. And especially if you get into more neoclassical or contemporary ballets that are just totally abstract, like you kind of have to develop a certain sensitivity for what is being expressed. Just like with comic books, you kind of have to develop a sensitivity for like how the story flows through the panels and, and how the art works with the dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, how does the movement work with the music and that sort of thing? What would be your second choice for a show to watch? For a ballet? Yeah. Uh, so my second choice was going to be uh, a ballet called Les Sylphides, which is one of the first abstract ballets or storyless ballets rather. And it's about a poet who dreams of a bunch of fairies basically. And the whole ballet is just him dancing with all of these fairies. <laughs> But it's so beautiful and it's so poetic and and romantic and and evocative, and you know, it really speaks to what what I was just talking about in in that it it strikes a mood or a tone rather than telling a story, and I just I think that ballet is more suited to that. Mm. Earlier, you thought that I wouldn't even finish watching this ballet. 
even I sometimes have to fast forward the pantomime. Like I just, I I just, I don't like it. I had to, it's silly. I had to keep the Wikipedia up to be totally frank, just to kind of track my own viewing with what was happening. Yeah. There was a few times where I read something that it was explained um, because it said like Albrecht's fiance was in the party. And I was like, what? How did you even know that? And then I like rewound and I was trying to like catch things that I didn't catch. Um, because even me being a novice, like him taking off his belt and like sash while he's entering the town was to convey to you that he's like, uh, you know, undercover. He's, he's trying a different identity. He's trying not to be who he is. I yeah. didn't get that. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I started off real bad. <laughs> so the thing that frustrates me about ballet is there's this codified language of pantomime and they'll have like they'll be telling it's like entire monologues of pantomime and i'm just like nobody cares about this like literally nobody cares right i would have needed him to just like take a crown off like <laughs> yeah. easily like he's looking at me and he's winking and he's like throwing the crown like over a tree i mean i think it would really help ballet bring in audiences who maybe don't have dance backgrounds but are just interested in storytelling or interested in athletics or mm-hmm. you know what i mean like there are other ways to get interested in ballet besides i did ballet when i was three and updating the language of pantomime i think would go a long way i can't sit through i mean like me who was obsessed with ballet i my husband one time took me to sleeping beauty and i was like why do you hate me and it was like <laughs> this you know they were really expensive tickets and uh-huh. these like great dancers and i just like oh god i can't sit through three acts of like a pantomime and then like every single fairy tale character ever in the world randomly for no reason like mm-hmm. popping in to do a dance that's probably why i like giselle because there's no fairy tale characters like Puss in Boots doesn't show up and just like <laughs> do a little dance <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> so when are you going to make your cohorts over at I Read Comic Books podcast watch uh, ballet? That would be cool. You know, we would have to like, we, we yeah, we would have to have a field trip one day. I think I would have, <laughs> because I think the ritual of getting dressed up and going to the ballet and having champagne at intermission and all of that makes it, a little more fun mm-hmm. you know watching it on youtube like you miss a lot yeah um kara and i actually used to go to the valet together i want to name drop kara because you know <laughs> do you remember the last ballet you guys saw together we went to the new york city ballet spring gala and it was really cool because not only so they did a contemporary bill and uh and then there were all of the big name donors and celebrities in, in their like finery. There's like a red carpet and everything. We were like up in the peanut gallery. Mm-hmm. Did you have like the little gla- the little binocular glasses? We did not, but we did. So like intermission is usually like 10 or 15 minutes long and everyone's trying to get champagne at intermission. So you really have to like pound your champagne at intermission. <laughs> it just makes it really fun. <laughs> so you have, uh, I'm not sure when this will be released, but you're working on, and in, in like an interview conversational series for I read comic books. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> it's called, this is not an interview. I love it. already. Uh, yeah. So the premise is basically that, you know, we don't sit and I ask questions and they answer questions. We just kind of talk because I really think that getting to know creators reveals a lot about their work, sometimes more than asking them pointed questions for which they have canned answers that Mm -hmm. they give to every interviewer. And there's just very rarely is there anything new there. But, you know, 
talking about like your childhood or whatever. I mean, stuff comes up. It's right. it's a lot more interesting. So yeah, that's something I'm working on. Plus it's hard for them to just like go through the grind of doing Skype podcast interviews with people that yeah. have podcasts and like ask the same exact, what should people be looking for in this upcoming series? Yeah. What, you know, Let's give just, us, can you tell us what's happening in your series? Like I almost want it to just be like your eavesdropping on us just hanging out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just being people. Right. Plus, if you even start watching YouTube interviews with creators, get ready to kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that was morbid. <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, when we used to do interviews, we would like, sometimes you don't even know how to pronounce, pronounce the creator's name. You have to yeah. like go on YouTube, see an interview with them or see them pronounce their own name. Yeah. And then you get into like the direct, I'm not saying... I'm um, the best interviewer ever. But then you get into the dregs of like people interviewing creators at comic conventions and it's just the drizzling shits. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, you know, I read comic books is trying to build up a robust database of, of creator name pronunciations. It's one of the greatest ideas in the history of man. <laughs> I mean, once that's, once that's out, you have a license to print money. You don't have to have a job anymore. You just, just continue nice. dancing. Like you can teach dance. That's all. You don't just let the cash roll in. I would love that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the interviews get really tedious and, and it's more fun to just talk about random stuff. Like we one time did an interview with Jason Latour where we talked for most amazing. of the time about sweet potatoes. It was wonderful. That was an amazing interview. <laughs> Plus, I, honestly, like you, you become friendly with a creator. Sometimes you do an interview with a creator and it creates kind of like a rapport that like, well, this person's not bad. This person's cool. And then like you'll say hello to these creators at cons and they'll remember the interview that you had because, like, you're not, like, a super douche. <laughs> like, we say hello to, like, it's we have honestly, a handful of creators that we know at cons that, like, hey, this guy's not a super douche. You would be surprised how hard people find it to not be a super douche. <laughs> or maybe you would be what, completely not surprised. What's amazing is, like, there's probably, like, secret societies with creators where they just talk about the bad interviews they've had and they just, like, trash those people. Hopefully we're not in there. I mean, they should they should not interview with those people yeah, anymore because should. like although they, f- they probably feel bad saying no well maybe they feel bad for us and they say it. that's why they say <laughs> maybe yes that's us. why they say hello to us <laughs> yeah. i feel bad i gotta say hello to these asses that's probably it <laughs> <laughs> wait what a downer is i gotta go reevaluate my life after this interview oh man well um ballet dancers they never get interviewed like no one ever wants to hear them talk no yeah why not I mean, that's not their job. Talking is not their job. <laughs> <laughs> I could get a, what's his face on the show? We actually have accidentally met a bunch of really famous international ballet dancers just because like we had, we were traveling since so we were in Europe and, and not in familiar places and we would be like wandering around like, where's an ATM or, you know, whatever. And just like sort of happen upon the stage door and um he's doing a split pointing to where the atm is <laughs> i mean when you meet ballet dancers in person okay so first of all with 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 male ballet dancers i cannot even describe to you like how in inhumanly gorgeous these people are in their movements like mm. if you read like high fantasy and they describe like the elves or whatever and how graceful they are and all of that like stand next to a, a ballet dancer and that's what these people are talking about 
it's i want to it like it makes you feel like an orc like you are <laughs> you're literally not even the same species as these higher beings <laughs> so when the aliens come we need to send the ballet dancers yeah. and the front lines and then the women are usually like at least a foot shorter than you thought they were mm. which is part of their job is to look you know longer on stage right i think you should take a ballet class really yeah to see what i see what i have inside me yeah in my heart. Ooh, or maybe James could maybe put James in ballet. He loves to dance. Yeah. Loves to dance. Listen, if you have, maybe, is there a father son that would ballet be awesome. course? Wouldn't that be awesome? I'd do it. Yeah. Because like the thing that I don't understand is I mean, maybe not for younger boys so much, but it's like if you are you get to hang out with a bunch of girls <laughs> and you're the only boy and they all pay attention to you. That was a plot in The Simpsons where Bart took ballet. Yeah. Remember he had to wear the mask and then he revealed himself because he thought everyone would love him and then they hated him. <laughs> okay, so maybe it can backfire. <laughs> it is I, Bart. <laughs> no, I, I wish that more men would take ballet. It's so good for cross-training if you're an athlete. It looks like the training, just seeing these bodies and these rippling cheeks. I... <laughs> get scared <laughs> my diet would have to drastically change no flaming hot cheetos well i mean you'd probably would need the carbs for energy that's true for my butt cheeks <laughs> god yeah hello that's it for this episode of lincoln bio if you liked it awesome tweet out a link or facebook it or whatever you usually do to tell people that you like something maybe text I don't know. Leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Just let me know on Twitter that you liked it. Or Instagram, if you use Instagram. If you didn't like it, can't win them all, you know?
Yallo, that's it for this episode of Lincoln Bio. If you liked it, awesome. Tweet out a link or Facebook it or whatever you usually do to tell people that you like something. Maybe text. I don't know. Leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Just let me know on Twitter that you liked it. Or Instagram, if you use Instagram. If you didn't like it, can't win them all, you know? <laughs>